Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. We just go right into the vein where we were at uh, last uh, Sunday. Uh, we talked about last Sunday, if you, you were not here, we preached uh, really on... Uh, uh, city transformation and this morning I want to stay right into that same vein but I want to come at it um, at a uh, just just add some more tools of how we can see a city transformed how many want to see your city transformed five people how many want to see the devil take over and run a city how many want to rise up in your place all right how many believe God's called us here as ambassadors of Christ right all right, so we're going to work on that this morning. We're going to go over that and um, preach some more into it. How many were here? How many was not here on Wednesday night? Raise your hands so we can see all the backslidden people in the house of God. <laughs> Listen, on Wednesday night we had a phenomenal service in here. Um, we uh, we called the church to forty days of fasting and prayer, and so uh, you know I was laying there last night and I got a you know. Um, Whatever I guess I, I have no social media, so um, but somebody tagged. Uh, I told it was I will call him out. It was Ricky. We cut that way. <laughs> Wave your hand, Rick. He had a picture on there. Say it was a raised meals pond, and uh, <laughs> so I told Cleve. And Cleve said we starving to death, and this man <laughs> eating at raised meal pond. You know what I'm saying? But no, he is fasting. I talked to him, but anyhow, uh, so anyhow, I said, listen here. I told Cleve. I said at the end of forty days. At the end of 40 days, we'll know who was fasting because the belts ain't going to lie. They'll tighten up. You with me? And so, uh, praise God. But um, anyhow, let's get right here in Jeremiah chapter 29. And let's uh, look at what the Word of God says this morning. And uh, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to preach. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you for, Lord, um, just for the Word of God. I thank you for the season that we're in. And Father, um, I just ask this morning that you would anoint me afresh. Help me preach good, but open the ears of the hearer, God. Father, we need an anointing. We need a fresh anointing, Lord, in the day that we're living in. We can't live on Granny's anointing. We can't live on yesterday's bread. We must have fresh bread in the house of the Lord. So, Father, we declare that we are hungry. You don't put new wine into old wine skins, so therefore transform us, God. And Father, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, I, I preached last Sunday, so I'm going into that, so uh, you, you can get that on the podcast to get a CD, however. But I believe that, uh, that our call as a church and my call that's upon my life, we're not here just to simply build a good church. How many believes that? But I believe that God uh, has us here. That How many knows that Matthew, uh, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said we're like leaven, Right? We're like leaven. The kingdom of God is like leaven, which a woman hid in, in, in three measures of meal till the whole lump became leaven. That's me on my job site, right? Come on, somebody. He brings the kingdom influence of my life everywhere that we're, everywhere that we're at. We're to bring transformation to that. And so this morning, I do want to talk about prayer being how we called the church to prayer. And we want to talk about this morning of city transformation through prayer. So let's look at this in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. And it says, seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Now here, Jeremiah, is. we see where the word of the Lord, it's, it's, not, it's not just, um, you know, especially in the South, we think we've done our Christian duty if we go to the house of God on Sunday. How many knows there's a whole lot more to it than that? I got a job to do, right? Come on, somebody. I'm not here to sit here and wait on the rapture of the church to come. Come on, somebody. The issue this morning is not whether we're going to heaven. The issue is how much heaven are we going to bring to the realm of influence that God has called us to. He told his disciples, pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the model that we are looking for for the city of Adel, for Cook County, for Tift and Valdosta, and for the nations of the earth? It is heaven. Now before we can ever get heaven to this earth, we gotta first get heaven into this earth. 
I don't know about you, the devil ain't the main one I'm fighting. I'm fighting me. Come on, somebody. We got to be like Jacob and wrestle that man down. Come on, somebody. And go from Jacob to Israel. Come on, so one's a deceiver, a liar. The other is a prince with God. This is what prayer is all about. Listen, what I'm finding out, when, when I go to the Lord in prayer, the number one person he's changing is not who I'm praying for, but he's changing me in the process. Come on, somebody. Well, I feel like preaching. I'm Pentecostal, glory to God. If you, that means it, that'll mean I'm gonna holler a little bit. Y'all right with that? I'm just passionate about it. Now, it says to pray for the city. To pray for the city in which I'm planted. you got to see this. You are like leaven that has been hid in this city. How many knows in our community there's a lot that ain't leavened this morning? So we got to have a lot of influence. We said, I, I sent this out last night and I was reading, uh, uh, just read back through reading Leonard Ravenhill. How many's ever read his classic book? It was written in 1956, Why Revival Tarries. That's a phenomenal book. And this is what he said. This was in 1956 he's writing. He said if the church had, if, 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 the, if America had as many, talking about in the human birth rate, if it was at the same level that the church had a birth rate, come on, talking about salvation, the human race would be almost extinct we'll get to that in a minute Charles Spurgeon said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter I got a job to do and my job is not necessarily to go to church come on somebody I got to bring influence where I'm at now let's look at this in Luke chapter 19 go with me travel there with me just for a moment set some things up in Luke chapter 19 that now we're to pray for the welfare of the city. We're to pray for it because in its prosperity, we will have prosperity. Do you know that when God brings commerce into this city, it will change the economics of our city? Come on now. We can get people with good paying jobs, but we got to pray into it. In, in the city's prosperity, we will have prosperity. All right. Now, Luke 19. Look at this in verse 41. Now as he drew near, you've heard me quote this a lot in the last little bit, he saw the city and wept over it. Most of us don't see the city. We see our church and we see our family. We even stain the windows in our church so we can't see the herd outside. Come on, I'm not knocking stained windows, but come on now. We got a job to do. Listen, it, re it really don't start in here this morning. It starts when we go outside the walls of the church. Now, Jesus saw the condition of the city and he said, saying, if you had known, even you especially in this, in, in this, your day, that the things that has made for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave one stone under another because you did not know the time of your visitation. I believe that one of my jobs is to pray that my city would recognize the hour in which we live in. Hello, I know that Fox is telling us and CNN and all the rest of them are telling us how bad it is. Listen, but the kingdom of God is increasing every day. We gotta choose which trough we gonna feed out of. Are we gonna feed out of the promises of God or are we gonna feed out of what kind of negativity they're pumping to us? Come on, somebody. If I feed out of that vein, I won't have no faith. Come on now. But if I feed out of the word of God, I'll have faith that, listen, maybe my prayers really can make a difference. Come on, somebody. Maybe when I pray over my city, there really is a God on the throne come on somebody that is alive that is listening to my prayers and he has the ability I know this that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord if we want to see something change in the nation why don't we start praying for the people that are in place in this nation say God grant them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation God begin to turn their heart to you gosh I feel you Jesus Jesus saw the city and he and, and literally what happened when he saw the condition, a burden came to him. Now like Leonard Ravenhill, we don't want a burden because a burden is inconvenience. Why do we not pray? Because it inconveniences. Why do we not fast? It's a big inconvenience. Now let's just say this. Wednesday night, hey, I'd ate a big nice piece of meat Wednesday at lunch. I mean, I come in here you know, glory to God, ready to hold up hell with a water pistol. And after a handful of almonds and a few bananas, I told Cleve on, what was it, Thursday night, 
And he, me and him was take, talking back and forth. I mean, we both said we thought we was going to have to call 911. Get the ambulance, come to the house and get, pick us up. <laughs> we ain't even made it 24 hours and needed an ambulance. Tell me this ain't the condition of where we're at, though. Could it be? I'm fit to talk to us. This is what I said. Could it be that we're, we're, you know really that God is on the move across the land. Come on somebody. We're one of the last few nations to catch up to. Could it be because we're the most obese nation, this is the reason why we're the most spiritual dull nation. Come on somebody. Listen, fullness creates dullness, but hunger creates passion. Come on somebody. Our fasting is not to move the hand of God. It's to get rid of the flesh. Come on, somebody. It's to crucify the flesh to allow the spirit man to rise up. Oh, my God. When I, when I remember reading in Heidi Baker's book, More Than Enough, she says she used to fast for revival. But she said, I no longer fast to try to twist God's hand. She said, I fast so that I can feel the hunger pains of the children around me. Come on, somebody. When is the last time we felt the pain of our community? Listen, they're crying out. They want an answer. Come on. Don't you think the man that laid down at 3 o'clock this morning drunk needs an answer? Come on. He needs somebody that's got a real relationship that had a real encounter. All right. So now we begin to seek God and we say, God, we, we see that we see what's going on in our city. And God, I realize, listen, that, that I may not have the answer, but I realize that you have the answer. And I'm fixing to put myself at a place of prayer to begin to contend with God over this city. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Travel there with me now. Come on. So we can preach as long as we want to. We fast and ain't got nowhere to go eat. <laughs> I mean, hey, but there ain't a few ways you can do water. <laughs> Have ice, steam, or liquid. I mean, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I fall out under the weakness, somebody please call 911. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Listen. All right, let's look at this. The words of Nehemiah. How many know that Nehemiah's name means comforter? Here's a picture of the Holy Spirit, right? Here's a, here's a big nugget right here I'll give you for free. Ezra is when they rebuild the temple. This is a picture of salvation. Nehemiah is the picture of the comforter, the Holy Ghost, which what his job is to rebuild the walls in your life. Your walls shall be what called salvation. It's one thing if you get born again, but if you don't do no, have no equipment and training, come on somebody, you have no walls about your life. Have you ever met Christians just said, well, the devil's on me? The Bible never says that the devil's supposed to be on you. The scripture says he's to be under your feet. How many knows this? If you don't have no walls, you feel everything. But if you're standing in a concrete vault and somebody rams a car into the side of it, you don't know what happened until you walk outside. This is a picture of the work of the Holy Ghost in our life, rebuilding the walls around our life. Now, now look at this. He hears the condition of the city. He hears the condition of the city and he, he hears that its gates are burned with fire, its people are in distress, and the scripture says he begins to weep. I do not believe that, I do not believe at the church in America that God is, God is, that we are waiting on God. It's like that God just says, well, I'm going to move whenever I get ready. How many knows this? That I believe that God is waiting on us to get in a place that he can move in us. All right. So, so Nehemiah, he, he, and he said, the survivors, listen, and it says that Hananiah, one of my brother, came with the men from Judah and asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and the concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are, are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was... I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, how many knows this? The Bible says what God let the, we quote this at the wedding, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. There's other things put together besides husband and wife that God says don't put asunder. Tithes and offerings. Fasting and prayer. All right, now look at this. He was not only in prayer, but he was also in fasting. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy 
and those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of the servant which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which, look at this, we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. This is one good way to start praying over your city. We don't, listen, they ain't the only one that sinned. We have sinned. I can't get no help in here this morning. Look at the position of his heart. God, forgive us. Forgive us of, forgive us of our sin. How many know the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, he didn't say the world out there. Come on, somebody. He didn't say the ones in the club. Come on, somebody. He didn't say the ones in the whole house. Come on, somebody. He didn't say the, the, the filthy businessman. He said if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Hello. Humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and seek my face. Then shall we hear from heaven and he will heal our land. What has to precede the healing of the land? Fasting and prayer and humility. God, help me, Jesus. Let us, let us. Now, let's look right here at verse 11. Oh, Lord, I pray, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Listen, I believe there's a lot of people that are not fearing his name, but there's a desire on the inside of them. Listen, the Bible says he is the hope of all nations. The man at the club last night, what he's really looking for is Jesus. He just don't know it. All right, so we see through this that God will give us a burden if we'll ask for it, if we'll begin to put position ourselves and begin to pray out. Now listen, I'm here to pray over my job. Right, I told you last week, everybody, all the Christians said, well, Lord, if you'll just give me a Christian job. Why you need a Christian job if you're a Christian? You're there to win the lost. But let's be honest, how we act on the job. I just don't even know if we're going to make it. We just ain't going to make it. Times is hard. All we can do is pray. Man, if I'm a non-believer, I don't want the God you got. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me you don't know if he's going to do nothing or not. The last time I checked, he ain't a what not somebody. Come on. He's alive on the throne. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we see this. Now, let me say this. When the city that I came from, and you can Google this, and we've shared this in here before. I was born and raised in Alma, Georgia. Um, when we were 26, uh, when I had I left from there uh, and lived in uh, Wayne County when I got married in 22. Um, by the way, Catherine's not here today. She's in Lakeland, Florida. She's on her way back, though. And so um, just want to tell you where she's at in case you're wondering. Well, she got mad at him in the hotel. No, she's in uh, Lakeland down with some... Her and some, uh, all the third grade teachers went down there yesterday. And so in 1997, growing up in the town of Alma, Georgia, we knew that the drugs was bad. I mean, uh, there was multiple businesses that were started with drug money and everybody in the community knew. And we're thinking, you know, how in the world can't they bust these people? Well, then we would have a bust and nobody would get caught with nothing. I'm talking about, I mean, so the drug problem was so strong that it got national attention in 1997. Peter Jennings of NBC came to my small town of less than 3,000 people because of the drug problem. And you had, they did this, they did a week, they were there for a week, did a week-long special, flew helicopters over the community and on. The farmers had cursing on top of their shoulders, uh, painted, cursing the cops. Even our own sheriff, his brother who lived right down the road from him at the time, was busted with, I can't, it was like several hundred plants. And he said, I had no idea he had them. Remember that. And Nicole tell you that they would occasionally own, they would have this thing where they would light just, I mean, just pounds and pounds of marijuana and just burn them out in dumpsters out. In the, that's how bad it was. And it caught national attention. And so how many's ever heard, if you've been at this church long enough, uh, years ago that Pastor Dale, he actually showed something. How many remember uh, Otis Johnson Jr. Did, did the series called The Transformation videos? How many remember that? You remember seeing that? And what it is that they do documentaries on cities where the entire city has been transformed. 
Listen, true, listen, revival. I love, Lou Engel says it like this revival is God's arrival. Revival is not a series of meetings. Come on, somebody. Revival is not something that we hold once a week, I mean, on a, on a week out of the year. Revival is God's arrival. It's, and so, but the purpose of the revival is, is, is not just to energize the church, but it is to, it's, it's got to bring such a change in the church. You say it like this, listen, if God will change me in a place of prayer, then God will change my house. It's not my wife's responsibility to change the tone of our house. Come on, somebody. That's my job as a husband, right, and as a father. If God will change my house, then God can change my church house. Come on, somebody. And if God can change this church, he can change this community. And if a community can change, it can change a state. And if a state can change, it can change a nation. But what has happened is you and I have been like a frog. You know, you can kill a frog by dropping him in a, a water and just occasionally turn the heat up. And we as a church in America have sat here and allowed the culture to keep turning the heat, keep turning the heat, keep turning the heat, and we've not adjusted to go against the culture. But I came to give you some good news this morning. Jesus never left us for that culture to impact us. He, he entrusted us that the culture of the kingdom that is within him, he said it like this, I came with my own kingdom. Come on, somebody. And the kingdom that is within transforms us from the inside out. Religion tries to clean the outside to move in, but the true gospel goes inside and cleans a man from the inside out. And he expects us to impact the culture around us. You know, I really want to get old school holiness and preach right here. But they slide it in our movies. They slide it on Disney so that your kid can get adjusted. Meanwhile, the church sits back and does nothing. Oh, Lord, help us. And we see where we at. We go one day without food and got to call 911. Can I help you? Yes. Pastor called us on a fast. I'm the one that called it, and I need you to come get me hooked up the IVs or something. And I got plenty stored to make it. So we started, so all of this, listen, so they did this documentary. You can go home and Google this, or you can Google it right now, tell them the truth. It's called Pot of Gold. Peter Jennings just Googled that pot of gold where he did that over our community. And there it was on, I mean, on, on NBC, the pride of our community. The arrogance, people shaking their fist at the authorities. We had cops saying, listen, if I get in a financial bind, I'm growing it. So what happens is, is this mentality comes in that it's so bad it's never going to change. Right? I told you last week, it doesn't take faith to believe that America's going to hell in a handbasket. It does take faith to believe for massive revival. And the Bible says that the church shall live by what? What it sees? Come on, somebody. The church, shall, the just shall what? Live by what? Faith. Faith and hope are two different things. Come on, somebody. Hope is, well, maybe something's going to happen. Faith says, I know something's happening. All right, and so, and when I was 26 years old, we went back. And so we planted a church, and my wife, I remember Catherine, she said, she said, John, I'm, just, I'm worried about going back up. The drug problem's real bad over there. I said, listen, I said, I'm not scared of the drug. It's the worst people I'm scared of is the church. <laughs> I said, the drug is, I know where they stand. So back to this Otis Johnson Jr. I ain't left you hanging. I'm a little ADD, okay? So... He started doing these documentaries on towns where move of gods began and it transformed the whole society. How many knows that the promise says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen that he will come and he will begin to heal the land? He'll begin to heal the whole entire land. So out of all the transformation videos that he did on Uganda and all these different places, there has never been a city in the United States until just a few years ago, recently, around 2004, 
I think is when they did the documentary. I think that's right. There has never been a city in America that has made all the standards which Otis Jr. set for them to come to a documentary to say that this town has experienced a genuine revival of transformation. And the city was Manchester, Kentucky. Now, in Manchester, Kentucky, the drug problem was so bad that the drug dealers had like drive-through windows on their home. They were servicing more people than Wendy's and McDonald's in one day. The drug problem was so bad that the cops could not identify people by their driver's license. People that they had known. And the driver's license says, you know, John Bagley, 200 and too many pounds. And now he pulled him over to 140 pounds with no teeth. This is how bad it was. And so the church did something. I'm going to show that clip in just a second. So I took this video to my brother over in Alma. I said, if God could do it here in Manchester, God could do it here in Alma. The drug problem in our community, come on somebody, is not just left up to the sheriff. There is a church in this town which is the highest government in the land. Hello. Right here, hold. See what ideal of the church is some brick building sitting back here in a cotton field somewhere. But Jesus said, My church, talking about the ecclesia. When he took them a 30 mile journey out of the way in Matthew 16 to Caesarea Philippi, which was the most wicked city of that day. It was way worse than Las Vegas. Come on, somebody. He took them to that place and he took them right there where they had a statue on a rock of this sex goddess. And he pointed at that rock and he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church this is the ecclesia. This is the power that you and I have when we come together in agreement in prayer. Say, God, have mercy over my community. God, I pray for massive revival in the schools. God, help our leaders. So, this is what we got. But this ain't gonna be good for the podcast. Brother, it's hard to get preachers to come watch a video for two hours. Are you kidding me? But we can go down there to a little league game for three hours. Hello, I'm just talking where we at. We can go to the beach for five days. We're talking about heaven and hell. We finally did get a few people to show up. Anytime you call a prayer meeting, you're going to get a few. I can tell you that. When you call a church dinner, you're going to get a plenty. But when you call a prayer meeting, you'll get a few. Oh, Lord, this, is, this ain't popular. Show this clip. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold it right here. i got to say this. Listen to this. I wrote this down. Look at the world around you. It may seem immovable. Listen, it is not. With the slightest push in the right place, it can be tipped. Look at the world around you. Let's break it down personally. My finances, my own family. It looks like it's never going to change. It can change. The, that's the lie of the devil that says it can't change. That's the lie of the devil that says nothing's going to happen. That's the lie of the devil saying you're wasting your time. Why do you want to get fired? Well, that's you know that why you want to get fired up and listen to that fat preacher this morning getting fired up. You know within a month you're gonna fail. That is an absolute lie. Listen, my flesh has been rearing and all, all I can think about is this. You remember in Isaiah 10, 27, he said the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Listen, that's not talking about a move of God that comes and just breaks yokes off of people's life. What that is a picture of is an ox being in the stall, shackled down. It's talking about bringing him into the stall, shackling him down and start feeding him. And he gets so fat that that collar that was around his neck, it begins to break off of him. This is the seizing of fasting and prayer. When we come out and we get along with God, come on somebody, and we get the word of God that's been collecting dust on the shelf, and we get it open and we start eating, and all of those things that have had us bound and tied up begin to start breaking off of us. Why? Because we're feasting on not fried chicken, but we're feasting on the presence of God. 
the lie is it'll, it'll never change. Look at the world around you. It may seem immovable. It is not. If it is pushed in the right place, it can be tipped. Let the star football player have an encounter with God and I'll show you a tipping. Let the high school beauty queen have an encounter and I'll show you a tipping. Take one kid and a jacked up home and let him have an encounter and I'll show you a tipping. Let one dad have an encounter with God and I'll show you a tipping. This is it. But what has to happen is people have to rise up in faith. Let's show this. I want to show you this city that's completely changed. Look at it. Manchester, Kentucky, once known as the painkiller capital of the nation, is now known as the City of Hope. This night, hundreds have come out to see the world premiere of an Appalachian Dawn, a documentary that tells how God transformed a region held captive by corruption, poverty, and drugs. It all started in 2004. The citizens of Clay County were desperate. Their children were dying in record numbers from drugs, and the dealers ran the town. Desperation turned into prayer and unity as folks laid aside their denominational differences to march through town. They bravely told the drug dealers, get saved or get busted. The pastors repented for not working together and letting evil take over the land. Well, first of all, when 63 churches in a small county uh, marched through town together, for us, that was bigger than the parting of the Red Sea. And you can talk to the 3,500 or 4,000 people that were there today, start talking about the march, and everybody tears up. It's just an awesome thing that happened. And then from that, it's like all of a sudden the church had a voice in our community. We thought we had a voice before, but we really didn't. Since the March of 2004, nearly every facet of society here in Manchester has been transformed from the drug culture to political corruption. Locals say even the land is responding to the increased presence of God. When God comes, he comes like a divine chiropractor. He snaps things back into alignment that have been out of alignment, whether it's in the political sphere, the economic sphere, uh, the ecological sphere. A few years ago, there was no elk at all here in this part of eastern Kentucky. But right now, they have the largest elk population east of the Mississippi. Uh, the black bear have returned in very, very large numbers, which has brought tourists back into the area, which has begun to uh, rekindle the economy of some of the, the local communities. Even the water is better. In 2008, Kentucky awarded Manchester for having the best tasting water in the state. The documentary's producer, George Otis Jr., has researched nearly 800 cases of transformation revival around the world. But until Manchester, there was not one place in America that met all the criteria. Transformation is not simply confined to a, a series of great meetings and churches or conferences. So, um, you know, when you talk about the presence of God in church meetings, that's one thing. But uh, what about at City Hall? Can they feel the presence of God there? What about in the local campuses? Do they feel it in the classrooms or in, in the jail or, or so forth and so on? Otis says the power of God fell on Manchester because the people of God fell to their knees. They had two choices. They could either throw in the towel and, and say, we're losing an entire generation to drugs, there isn't going to be a tomorrow in Manchester, or they could fight back. And it wasn't the whole community that fought back. It was really a handful of people that did. But that's very typically the way it works in, in genuine transformation stories. It was amazing. I didn't, I didn't ever dream that God could take somebody like me and the way I used to be and put me where I am now. After years of running from the law, Former drug dealer Steve Colette surrendered his life to Christ and now helps other men get off drugs through a program called Lifeline at Manchester's Community Church. 
guys that's done time with me, and they they thinking, well, he's lost his mind, or this, you know, this, this is real. And I tell them, look, man, I found I found the, the right thing, and his name's Jesus, and and you know, we've had we've had great results with that. This fall, the story of Manchester hits the road in what they're calling the Hope for America tour, a 50-city tour featuring the new documentary, An Appalachian Dawn, which is already inspiring many who seek revival in their towns. I uh, was in tears a lot. Um, I uh, had a son that died from drugs, and uh, he was only 42. That's why I have such a passion to try to help other people that are addicted. And I believe that we're now, you know, 12 to 24 months away from a whole new crop of transformed communities in different parts of the United States. I can't tell you which ones they're going to be, but some of them are going to ignite. I said, Lord, why Manchester? Why would Manchester, Kentucky be the place? And he said, because if people can understand how bad it's been and where you are now, it will give every city in America hope that they can change. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Manchester, Kentucky. If you've never seen that clip, we showed that to uh, that, that uh, documentary to our city in Alma uh, several uh, years ago. And so that's just the power of God coming. But the church has to unify. Do you believe that? The church has got to unify. And, you know, <clears throat> Lou and all these other, a divided, um, a divided, a unified church is the only, the only answer to a divided nation. We got to realize that we've got need of each other. We need the Baptists and the Methodists just as much as they need us. Right? We all need each other. And so what happens is, what happened here is like you said, the church said, that's enough. This enough. I'm not waiting on the police to do anything about this anymore. This is enough. And they did. And they had that march. And they, you can see, if you watch the thing, they put signs everywhere, either get saved or get busted. God's coming. And then not only that, God overthrew a lot of stuff in their community. They was not, not only was the drug dealers arrested, they was cops arrested that allowed that kind of stuff to go on. But God came to that city. And I just wanted to show you that, that listen, it can be tipped. How many believe here that it can be tipped? Right? All right? Now let's look at this. Stay with me right here. You all right? We're, we're, we're almost done. We're getting close. Go to the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel. Chapter 22. This is what I believe is on the heart of the Lord right now. Right here. It says this. So I sought, a man, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap, me on behalf of the land, that, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. The word intercede means to go between. You're in between two places, right? I'm in between God and I'm in between the lost. How many knows that we have got to start praying for the lost again? Lord of mercy, help me God. Hey, I tell you what, I'm going to need a lot of help right here because I can feel it in here. Go ahead and bring me that Ed James. Go ahead and crank Ed James up for him right here. I'll do anything while I take, get, it, get it on in there. I'm trying to drive a nail right here, okay? I just felt a knot in the pine. So I'm just going to give it a little bit. I'm going to pull out the frame and hammer. Put this finishing hammer down. Give me right here. Roll it right here. So God is looking for a man that will stand in the gap to begin to intercede. To begin to ask, what, what, so, so you say, Pastor, what, what should I begin to start praying? Number one, let me hear, here's a good clue right here. You start praying over the leadership in this community. We pray for the pulpit in, the, in Cook County. Because if this pulpit is ignited, the church is ignited. God help. The reason why the church is not ignited is because this is not ignited. Come on, somebody. But if this gets ignited, that will get ignited. Tracy Swanson, the Church of God Evangelist, you said, let's have a revival from the pulpit to the pew. God, let a revival come in the pulpit in America, and then it'll be in the pew. 
We begin to pray this. We begin to pray over that leader. God, I pray the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. God, Ephesians 1.18, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding that we may see what is the hope and the glorious call. God, I pray that you would strengthen that leader. Break all discouragement off of them, God. I pray that every leader, every man and woman of God in this community, break discouragement, God. And then what happens as the men and women of God begin to get free, the congregation gets free. Then we in the pew realize that we're not just here to join and hear another sermon. Come on, somebody. We got to quit getting fat off the word. We need to exercise. I'm not waiting on my preacher to come lay hands on the sick. Baby, I'm equipped to lay hands on the sick. Come on, somebody. When I walk out of this, I realize that I didn't go to church, that I am the church. Hello. And when I go to Walmart, the kingdom of God is in Walmart. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, yes, Jesus. I sought for a man who would stand in the gap. I'm looking for a people who will get along with me and stand in the gap. Bring that, bring Eddie James down just a little bit. He got me that opening. See, prayer. Leonard Ravenhill said it like this. Preaching and singing allows one to display one's talents. But the prayer closet allows no showing off. Oh, history is shaped by prayer. By how much we did or how much we didn't do. Damon Thompson says, when you get to heaven, Facebook and Twitter will be proven enough that you had time for prayer. Boy, this, see, this type of preaching right here ain't popular because it, it, it don't stroke the flesh. But like this, I'd rather be known in heaven than I'm known in the earth. Come on, somebody. I know this, that I got a job to do. Listen, I know that James says there's nothing but a vapor. Come on, somebody. It's this long here on the earth. We got to make a difference. I sought for a man. I sought for a man who would stand in the gap. What is the answer to the drug problem in our community? What is the answer to the molestation problem in our community? It's a man standing in the gap. I said it's a church in the gap. What is, what is the answer for America? It ain't, come on, it ain't the Republicans, it ain't the Democrats, it ain't Washington, D.C. There's another court, and it's the court of heaven, and the answer is a church on its knees in humility saying, my God, forgive us. What prayer does is prayer begins to break the strongholds. I begin to start waking up to who he is. Come on, somebody. And the closer I get to him, I realize there's some things that I've been toting that I can't tote no longer. We like the relationship that Peter had. Scripture says he followed Jesus from afar. See, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room just... See, when I'm, falling, when I'm following from afar, I can keep all kind of stuff in my life. Come on, somebody. But the Bible says in Acts 28 that when Paul arrived at the all in of Malta, that he gathered sticks and threw them in a the fire. And as that fire began to increase, the Bible says a viper come out. What happens in prayer is I get wooed into the inner chamber and the things that I've been told, I wonder why I'm give out, I wonder why I can't, I'm so fatigued. The Bible says that we're running a race in Hebrews chapter 12 and it says lay aside the weight and sin that thus so easily beset us. When I get in that place, I realize, heck, I've been told a whole lot of such stuff. When I get into that place, what happens? As you begin to die. Oh, we don't want to die. We don't want to lose our rights and we don't want to die. But that's the only way it comes, friend, I'm telling you. Now, he's looking for a man. You ready? Can we go? Can you give me 10 more minutes? He's looking for a man. Now, I found this scripture right here. I have read this 100,000 times, I bet you. Because being apostolic, boy, you got to know how to quote 1 Corinthians 4.15. Where Paul says you have many, you have many teachers, but you have few fathers. That's what I said, Larry. He said you got many, you got ten thousand instructors in Christ, but you have few fathers, right? This is what he tells the Corinthian church. He said, 
but I have begotten you through the gospel. All of a sudden, this word begotten means I've caused you to come into existence. Let me tell you what the church in America, down here in the south where I'm at, you know what we're fine on? We're fine on the adoption process. Oh, we love adoption. You know what adoption is? That means you get ticked off down here at the Methodist church so you start coming to my church and we just adopt you right on in. But the real deal is we ain't producing nothing. I ought to to just, man, I want to headbutt something. My God, break a piece of steel or something. I feel the spirit of dusty roads in this room. We, we, We haven't begotten nothing. The reason why we don't begot nothing is because we haven't been in a place of prayer. This is what Paul was saying. Listen, you're my kids. You know why? Because I've labored at a place of prayer and I prayed over your life and I gave birth to you in the realm of the Spirit. The reason why you are here this morning is somebody prayed you in. Oh, when you was out there in the disco shaking it, you didn't know it, but Granny's prayers was running you down. When do you know move of God come to Cornerstone? When you start seeing tithes increase, no. When you start seeing people show up, no. When you see that baptismal tank that we got hiding behind that sign, come on somebody, look at it, turn around. And we get in a place of prayer that we're having to pull that out every Sunday because we are dunking new converts. Come on somebody, we know a move of God is happening. What God is saying, I'm calling you to 40 days so that we can give birth to somebody. Who's gonna pray over somebody like that? This has been my main repentance for the last three weeks. Remember when they was in the storm? They in the storm. And, and Jesus has to come on and rebuke the storm. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. That word little means momentarily and brief. We come out. Because the house, and we feel what we feel in this room. Hair starts standing up. We get loaded ready to go out and take hell, hold it up with a water pistol. But when we don't see it in three days, it begins to wane. You remember in Acts 1, Jesus said that they, Jesus thought the disciples with the kingdom of God appear immediately. It won't appear immediately. I can tell you that. God is a farmer and he's a crock pot. You and I are a microwave in an instantaneous society. But if we'll be faithful with a seed, God will give us everything. We're praying for the oak tree the whole time. The seed is in our hand. The acorn, how do we look at it? How do we look at the acorn? You're praying for the 500 the whole time, the $5 bill screaming at you, how you steward it. Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. So here it brings to reality. I begin to ask myself in the word of God, John, who have you given birth to lately? Where's my kids? Oh, Lord. God hit us in the mouth this morning. Bring us to reality of where we're living at in America. Oh, I did my part, brother. Pastor, you don't know I've been to church three times this week. I'm asking you where your kids are. Hello. Oh, you don't understand. Look at the increase on my house. I'm asking you where your kids are. Oh, I'm tired. You don't understand. Oh, we wore out. Where's your kids? When we get to heaven, friend. Oh, Lord. Why are you preaching like this? Listen. Paul said, I've begotten you through the gospel. Listen, we cannot be afraid. We cannot be fine with adoption. Listen, we have got to create sons in the earth. It comes from a place of prayer. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus is looking out into the fields. He's seeing sheep and he's like, he, he's upset that they're weary. They have no shepherd. And he looks at his disciples and he said, the harvest truly is plentiful. Can I tell you this morning, what's wrong with America is not the harvest. It is ready, ripe in the harvest. The problem is, is the laborers. <laughs> Jesus said, therefore pray, pray unto the Lord of the harvest. Therefore pray. He didn't say, he didn't say pray for the harvester. 
Hold on, my God, my God, my God. I'm almost, you gotta, you gotta stay with. He said, pray unto the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest field. What we have to pray and cry out God. This is the same word. If you listen to Lou Engle, listen. This is the word he uses, ekbalo. This is the same word it says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God. Come on, somebody. How many knows when Jesus cast out a devil, he has to go? This is the same word, ekbalo. He said, if you will pray, I will ekbalo labors into my harvest field. What is the issue? The issue is prayer. The reason why we don't have harvesters is a lack of prayer. My God. See, man, every time you get really fired up, you feel more people get away from us. Get away from us. Anytime somebody's really on fire gets next to us, boy, we can't stand that because it brings conviction about where we're living. Why can't I just go to church and be good? I don't know. I wish I could have been a Baptist pastor, but that's not my call. That's not my life. I'm, I'm called, my name was John. I guess I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And the main person I'm trying to shake this morning is not you, but me. I said the main one in this place that's got to change is not you, it's me. If I change, you'll change. Come on, somebody. Make us a house, God, a prayer. He said, I will follow labors into the harvest field. What is a harvester? A harvester is a person. Listen, there's one way to harvest a field. You can go out there with a machete. One man can do it or a harvest can get out there with a head just spinning and just, I mean, just bring it in. These are evangelists. Come on, somebody. Pull that down just a second right here. I've heard this for years that at the really at the passing of Billy Graham what was upon that one man is going to come on literally hundreds of thousands Billy Graham was a forerunner the the girl that he liked while he was in Bible school she told him she said no I'm going to marry a real preacher See, see, I know how much carnalness is in me. You know what you know the thought that just came to me? That Toby Keith song. How do you like me now? <laughs> now that I'm on my way. <laughs> but Billy Graham has stood in stadiums all over the earth and preached the most simplest form of the gospel because the gospel's simple, friend. Are you with me now? Religion has complicated it. But that a child could understand. And he has given the invitation and hundreds of thousands have received Christ. That mantle of that harvester is going to come on an entire generation. CNN won't tell you that or Fox News. So if you go back and you study these great moves of God even before... Billy starts out in these different ones, Oral Roberts and all these. There was a man by Bill Bright and a man by the name of Wassel, I think it was. You may can help me on that. That called the nation to extended fastings of 40 days. And what happened is the church started fasting and praying. Even you look at what happened in Manchester, but what happened before Manchester was in 1999, a man by the name of Mike Bickle realized, started a movement called the, called the uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, where they have prayed night and day. 24 hours a day, sleet, snow, rain, holidays, Christmas morning, worship and prayer has never stopped. And we're trying to make it to one service a week to feel good about our religious activity in our lives. Church, I'm telling you, we fat. In more ways than just around the belt. So what has to happen? What am I praying this morning? I'm praying this one thing. Some say, my God, I'm ready to get out of this place. In Genesis chapter 30, here is a lady named Rachel that she knowed her husband loved her more than her sister Leah. He worked 14 years just to get her. 
She was the one adorned with the jewels and the jewelry. But out of everything that she had, it couldn't fill her. I'm just telling you, we've had the houses. Why couldn't the house, if the house and the money could fill, Michael Jackson would still be here. Elvis Presley would still be here. It don't fulfill. It leaves you empty. If the drugs and the alcohol could fill, we wouldn't have had to go back and do it again. I ain't always been pretty. I mean, I remember coming home with the bed, the whole house spinning, and late get one, try to get one foot on the ground, saying and praying this prayer, God, if you'll just cause the room to stop spinning, this will never happen again. Only to find myself 24 hours later in the same condition. But you know what? It didn't fill. There was still something empty. There was still a void. And what we're and what what we're trying to get off computer screens and in bottles and everything else don't fill. It's just a momentary scratch. It's just a momentary scratch. But if you ever meet Jesus, friend, come on, somebody. You know there's a trend going around the nation talking about finding the rock. Let me tell you something. If you ever find the rock called the Christ, come on, somebody. You won't never have to look for another rock in your life. He is that that will truly fulfill. Come on, somebody. Everything that she had was not fulfilling. All of a sudden, there's developing this cry inside of her. In Genesis 30, verse 1. Give me children or else I die. If we want to see revival, come to this church. Hey, come to this community. Somebody's got to get a burden. Give me children or else I die. It's not enough that I got a Facebook page. It's not enough that I got an internet page. Come on, somebody. It's not enough that I've cracked a 300 mark and a 500 mark or whatever the other mark of success. I told you what true success looks like for the kingdom. Give me children. This cry of desperation has produced the mightiest men to ever walk the earth. Rachel had a cry. Give me children or else I die. And she gave birth to a Joseph that changed the nation. Come on, somebody. Hannah had a cry that couldn't even be uttered. And when the priest Eli looked at her, he thought she was drunk and got on to her for being drunk. But she said, I'm not drunk, you half backslidden preacher. My heart's burnt. Hannah's husband said, ain't I more to you than 10 sons? No, you don't understand. What I'm after, this can't, nothing can't fix it but him. And she climbed up on Shiganoth and began to pray. And she gave birth to a prophet named Samuel. My God, stand up. I'm just going to pray this prayer right here. I'm going to eat this microphone. Let's crank it up right here to Eddie. Father, give us a burden for prayer right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, raise your hands and ask God. Come on, raise your hands and ask God. I'm not getting on to you. Come on. Come on, we got a long ways to go. We can't even make it to church on time and we're trying to preach about revival. Come on, friend. Make me a house of prayer, God. Make our houses houses of prayer. Father, we pray, God, in this season that you would help us to pray and usher in something new, something fresh. God, we pray for this nation. We pray for this community, God. We pray over every leader. We got to start. If we will get the passion, if we will get the hunger, if we'll get in that place of prayer, we will start giving birth. I'm telling you, we will birth people into the kingdom. Look at me right here. I know I'm intense. And if you know me, those that know me personally, if you were to see me on the street outside of this right here, you'd almost say, I don't, I mean, that song gun changes almost like Clark Kent because I, I really don't have the boldness to hardly speak to a soul outside my realm of who I know. 
But I'm telling you, I feel, I feel God trying to grip us in this season. This is not something that we can handle lightly the next, four, the next 40 days until we move into the Feast of Tabernacles. You say, well, I, you know, I'm just trying to tell you. Friend, do you realize we're in a war right now? They people going to heaven and people going to hell every day. We've got to pray. I got people in my, in my family right now. I'm talking about blood relatives. If the Lord comes back right now, they ain't going up. Or there's no sign that I can see that they're going. We've got to contend. We've got to contend for it. If we don't contend for it in this season, we're just going to settle for what? We're going to settle for the status quo. Is it, will that be good? Yep. But I can tell you, the enemy of great is good. And what happens is it breeds complacency. And when we leave the house of bread to go live somewhere else in complacency, I can tell you, well, the first thing that starts dying is men begin to die. Naomi and all of them, they left Moab, which was the house of bread. I mean, left Bethlehem, Judea, to go to the Moab. They leave the house of bread. What happened is they lose, their, they lose the dad and they lose the sons. Men are not born, they're formed. And they're forged in the fire. This is why we have to live with this. I mean, I, I, for me, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know about you. But for me, I have to live with intensity. John the Baptist had a, a coat of camel's hair. That wasn't a Versace wool suit. That sucker was uncomfortable. Because he had a message to prepare the way. I have been contending for this since I was 18 years old. I refuse to believe in the status quo that revival in the best days of the church in the past. They're ahead, I promise you. But it will be for people that position themselves to see it. Father, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus. God, I know I've been intense in this room. But if I was to turn on Leonard Ravenhill, we all wouldn't even be able to listen to it. Father this is just where we've been God me and all of us in here and I pray this morning that you would help us that you would help us and that you would you would, you would help us to pray that's all I'm asking God this morning God I'm not asking for some great revival thing I'm just asking that you would help us to pray you would help us to seek the face of God I pray that this week as we come to this revival every night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, that you would save souls in this place, God. Father, we pray that the wells of salvation would open. And Father, help us to have a burden for the church and our community. Help us to begin to pray for our city government. Help us to begin to pray over our schools. Help us to begin to pray over our, 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 our superintendents in the name of Jesus. Look at here. They tried to do a Bible study in Manchester. The superintendent. If you watch that Appalachian Dome, was afraid to allow anything of the Bible to come in that school. Afraid he'd get sued, all of that kind of stuff. What happened? His own daughter was so strung out that he said to him that his family couldn't do nothing else. She was unreachable. How many knows that they're never you're never unreachable? So I said, God is a God of a second chance. Let me tell you something. He's a God of a 99,000 chance if you call on him. He never gives up on you, friend. I don't care in your worst day, he's still your number one fan. The day that you fleshed out and blew it all, he's still cheering for you. The Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up again. Come on, somebody. All you got to do is get up. I'm not here to beat anybody down. I'm beating. I, listen, I'm not here to listen. God's not here to beat us down. That's not conviction. That's condemnation when you feel beat down. Conviction always comes with the hard knife, but it heals when it comes out. It brings hope. It said, yeah, man, you, you goofed it up. You fell a hundred times. But here's the good news is, he can catch you right back up if you'll get up. His daughter cries out. Such transformation comes in her life. This superintendent realizes, hey, if my school is ever going to change, it ain't going to change through the D.A.R.E. program. The gospel's my answer. And he said, I'm telling you, we welcome the gospel in this school. We want prayer, whatever's got to happen. And if you study, what happened is, 
is this, this charismatic community church pastor, charismatic guy, he starts going to a Christian bookstore that's owned by a Baptist pastor. He says, you got this book? Nope. Can you get it? Yep. Order that book for me. What's in this book? Oh, this book here talks about how a whole city can be one to God. Hmm. They're not getting in an argument over who speaks in tongues and who don't. Come on, somebody. They form a relationship. And together they start saying, you know, we believe God can break the power of the back of this evil in this community if the church would just stand up. They start secretly praying together. Father, we pray. Psalms 133, how blessed it is when the brethren dwell in unity. For there you will command the blessing. Start praying that the church will unify. Listen, it can happen. I know I've worked at it for a long time. It's a very difficult thing, but it can happen. The night the tornado ripped through this town, the following Wednesday, 17 leaders around this front. I was at the meeting, and I sat there when they called out. We need Eric Gordon said, we need a church to go to on Wednesday night, and the community needs to come together and pray. I sat there and paused. Nobody stood up in that room and said, we're going to hold the prayer. I finally said, we can hold it at Cornerstone. I'm thinking there ain't no way people going to come to this church. As much, much rumors have been told about this thing. We're killing red heifers down here. You got to submit your W-2s. All kind, trying to raise the dead. Come on, somebody. We won't apologize for believing the gospel, though. Come on. Hello. Listen, we came to Cornerstone. I'm telling you tonight we pulled up Mary here. I heard the Lord say, I'm bringing the church back to the cornerstone, Ephesians 3.19. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I don't care if you speak in tongues. I'm going to speak in tongues. Come on, somebody. But I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, and we can unify on that. Raise your hands. One more time. I got to know that you... I got to know you tap it in right here with me. Come on, make us a house of prayer. Make us a house of prayer. I remember one day me and the boys pulled up in the yard and I heard the blood gurgling screams like I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about it scared me to death. I got out of the truck, bop, fell down, running across the carport trying to get in the house. I thought somebody was in there beating the death out of my wife. I opened the door and that woman is, I mean, talking about on her face with carpet in both hands. I mean, just going after heaven. This is what changes things. Father, we thank you for the burden of prayer. We thank you for the passion of prayer. We thank you for the hunger of prayer. We thank you that you are building your house of prayer, just like Amanda said Wednesday night. Father, you are building the house of prayer. I thank you for the house of prayer expanding in our churches all across this community. I thank you for the heart of prayer being in the schools. I thank you for the heart of prayer being in leadership across this town. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say today, we have great need of you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Look around. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 